during our day of trouble. But as I mentioned before, as we grow up, many of us during the day of trouble keep playing a hide and seek game. In fact, I would say that most adults are very, very good at this game and may not even realize it. Because think of what most of us do in the day of trouble. We run and we hide. We run and hide. It is really our human default as people. It's part of our sin nature that we inherit through Adam and Eve. What was the first thing that they did after they sinned? They tried to hide from God. They tried to hide with fig leaves and cover themselves up. Hiding is not something that we learn to do in the day of trouble. It's just literally our default setting. It's a part of who we are. Think about little children. What do they do when they get scared or when they fall down, right? They run and hide a lot of times. They pull the covers over their head or if they're scared, somebody new walks in the house. What do they do? They run and hide in the corner, hide behind the door. Sometimes if you've ever, like as a mom, been wearing a skirt, what does your child do that's down here? They like hide themselves. You're like all tangled up and it's like, where are you in there, right? Or sometimes, you know, if their daddy's holding them and a new person comes in or something that scares them. I can remember being with a friend one time and all these chairs crashed on this tile floor that we were trying to set up and she, her mama was holding her and she just hid her face right in her mama's shoulder. It's just what we do. When trouble comes, we're not made for trouble. And so we want to get away from that and so we hide. It's just intuitive to us. And so it's no wonder that even as we get older, we keep playing the hiding game. The thing is, we just develop what I would call adult hiding places. Now, there's all kinds of adult hiding places, all kinds of places that you know people as they grow up tend to find their refuge in, and we're all pretty good at finding them. And usually most of us have a couple of favorites that we run to. Tonight, we're going to do a little bit, um, something a little bit different in the midst of our, you know, teaching gathering. We're going to play hide and seek in a little bit different way, in a way that speaks to this default setting that we have. So all over the house, um, you're, there are some images of hiding places. Like, for instance, what would this hiding place be? Shopping, retail therapy. Okay. All right. So if it's a little far away, you can't see it. But there's pictures that are similar to this of all different kinds of hiding places that we can find ourselves looking for and hiding in when the day of trouble comes. Maybe we don't even realize we're hiding in these places. We're going to get up in just a moment when I say go, okay? Nicole, you got your whistle? Okay. So. Yeah. All right. So, not in your bedrooms. But any of the common areas, not outside, okay? So it could be on this level, it could be on the second floor as well, on the stairs, any of that, not in the kitchen, right? No. Not in the kitchen. Kim? No. Kim? Okay, no. Okay, so you want to go and find as many of these hiding places. Now, no pushing, no shoving, no tripping, okay? Yeah, let's be nice, let's be nice. And then when you hear the whistle, you need to come back and bring your hiding places, okay? So I'm gonna say, ready, set, go, and then Nicole's gonna blow the whistle. Don't move till we blow the whistle. Why don't you say, ready, set, go, and then blow? Okay? Here we go. Yeah, we're good. Just find them and bring them back when the whistle blows. They're not outside. Oh, she's going down. Oh, smart. Yep, right there. Here, and you can have Hold that up. Okay. How many of you have ever hid in your bed, right? You just pull, you just pull the covers over your head and you're like, I'm not doing it today. I'm not getting out of this bed today. 
When I was in my 20s and I really dealt with depression then, that was my hiding place. I would find that I just couldn't get out of bed in the morning and I would just, that, that was just where I would find my hiding place. Maybe you relate to that. What about, did anybody find somebody pumping, you know, weights, exercise? I did. Yeah. So sometimes it's not necessarily negative things, like sleep is a good thing, exercise is a good thing. It's what we do with those things, right? When we hide in exercise, we think, oh, you know, this part of my life is horrible, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take um, this and I'm going to be in control, right, in, in this area. That was another thing I did a lot of in my 20s. It's, it was just a way to combat the, everything else being out of control. Okay, I'm going to take control of my life in that way. What about, um, did you find where people are sitting at a computer and working and just all kinds of pictures? Yeah, we would put one name on that and it would be busyness. Okay, I would say in our culture that's one of the biggest hiding places, especially people in the church. Busyness, busyness. We hide there because you're so busy, you don't have to allow your mind to get into the places where maybe it needs to go, the things it needs to process, the prayers it needs to pray, the time with God that we need to spend, the time even in relationships that are messy, all of those things. We just hide in being busy. Right? Because it feels good. It feels in control. And that can be busy in work. That can be busy in hobbies. That can be busy in serving God, even. And yet we don't even realize we're hiding sometimes. Have you ever seen a, a little kid and they're hiding and they think they're hiding, but everybody else can see them? That's what our lives look like sometimes. We're hiding the things that everybody around us can see it, but we can't. What about, did you just get, any of you get the two emojis and one's like talking to the other? Yeah, that would be what? Gossip. And we hide there a lot. When trouble comes, instead of running to the Lord as our refuge, what do we do? We start typing on the phone, a text to a friend, or we pick up a phone, you, you know, pick up the phone and start calling and talking to that person. And we've got to, maybe especially if it's a person that's causing us trouble, we start just downloading all the vomit, right? <laughs> of everything. And, and the slander that comes out, that's a hiding place. Because a lot of times it helps us to feel better in the moment. What about, did anybody get the picture of relationships, like family? Did, did you find that? Yeah, just hold those up. You know, relationships are awesome. I mean, God created community. It's a wonderful thing, but sometimes we hide in people instead of running to the Lord. How about drugs or alcohol? Sue found that. <laughs> yeah, she was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And you know, that's... Yes, it is, Sue. We're all here for you. <laughs> But, you know, that's one that's very, that we would think of, right? Because it's a negative thing when people, you know, hide in alcohol or drugs. That, that's a very common one in our culture. And yet we then tend to not think about the other things that we hide in that are just normal, even good things, but that we put them in the wrong place. Um, how about TV or entertainment? Can you say binge watch, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, and, you know, that didn't used to even be available. But these days, I mean, you literally could just hide in a whole series all day, all weekend, your whole life long, you know, one right after another. Just find a place where you can just escape, where you don't have to think about things, where you can, you know, basically live somebody else's life or be all caught up. Anybody ever used to watch, or maybe you still do, I don't know, soap operas, you know? I, I used to do that, a lot of that in my 20s. I was like addicted like to soap operas on channel. I think it was ABC. I would watch them from this hour to this hour, and I'm pretty ashamed to say how long, you know? But I would find myself sometimes even thinking about these people as if they're real. Like if someone's gonna get married, I'd be thinking, oh, I should get them a wedding present or something. I mean, you know, but, I, and that's a little extreme. I only think I did that once. But what I'm saying is, I mean, I didn't send it, you know? I didn't send it, but you, you get so caught up in people's lives that aren't even real, that you don't even live your own life. And we do that. We hide and we don't even realize that we're doing it. What about food? Have you ever hidden in food? Did some of you guys get the ice cream? Billy found three ice creams. I think God's trying to, this is another intervention. <laughs> no, but then she said, I think they're all what I say all the time. I don't like I don't really like wine. I say some people like wine, I like ice cream. So I mean ice cream is definitely my thing. So I should have found three of them. But 
you know, we can hide in food. Food can become such an emotional refuge for us. That's definitely been um, something in my life. I'm going to share more about that tomorrow. What about our pets? I think even more in the last maybe 20 years. Did anybody get that cute little poodle, right? Okay. Maybe you have a much bigger dog or cat or whatever, you know, any kind of animal. But we can get so caught up in our pets. Not that pets are bad. We're not demonizing pets, okay? Pets are good. They're a gift from God. The Bible even says that we need to treat our animals righteously. I don't know if you've ever seen that verse, but it it is in there. All right, pets are a gift from God. They're companionship, they're good things, but many times we hide in them. You know, sometimes I look at our culture today and I'm just like, people are kinder to their pets than they are to the people in their families, you know? I mean, they buy them Easter dresses and brush their teeth at night and stuff. I mean, it's, I'm not kidding. I know people that do that, all right? Um, what about, did you get, anybody get the picture where, um, looking in the mirror? Yeah, self. We can hide in ourselves where life is just all about us, self-consumed, always thinking about us, how dynamics and circumstances and, you know, demands on our life affect me. It's all about me and we hide within ourselves. Sometimes we hide within our fears. We hide within our hurts. We hide within the identity that we give ourselves. We already mentioned the shopping, but did any of the others of you find shopping? Yep. Okay, finding those bags, you know, pouring it in. Anybody ever hid in retail therapy? Like, let me just go out and just buy stuff, right? Let me get online and shop Amazon or wherever, you know, your preference is. What about on your phone? Anybody ever hidden in your phone? Did anybody find that one? Okay, yep, seeing it over there. Jen, I think you found a lot of them, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. All of them? Okay. Yeah, winners and losers, winners and losers, that's right. But, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that wouldn't have even been in the conversation. But today, I mean, you walk in a room and people are like this. They hide. They're afraid to interact. They're afraid to have, you know, conversation with people. And, and, and it's just a, it's a quick hiding place. It's always with us. We carry that hiding place basically everywhere we go. And there's so many adult hiding places There are so many places we tend to take refuge in when life gets hard, when a day of trouble presents itself. Now, did anybody find the cross? Nikki! You win the prize. It's like the golden Easter egg. There's only one. tonight and tomorrow just tell him to move I got the pass <laughs> all right I love it love it love it love it all right you see that just worked all right That was fun. Nothing like a hunt for a bunch of old ladies right now. We're not old. We're not old. I am, but the rest of you aren't. All right. So um, all these places, right? All these places that we seek out in this world. And we can laugh about them. Sometimes we don't even realize it's what we're doing. But really, we want to look at God's hiding place tonight. See, so often the hiding places that we tend to run to in our lives, even the ones that aren't outwardly negative, end up creating a lot more trouble than the day of trouble was in the first place. Think about this. When we hide and watching TV, what does it do? 
it steals our time when we do that way too long. That creates trouble because maybe we don't get our work done. Maybe, you know, um, the house, you know, is falling apart around us when we just binge watch all the time. We end up getting more involved in the people's lives in the TV or in the shows that we're watching on the computer than we do in real relationships. And it steals productivity in our lives. And we don't even see that necessarily in the process of it, but that's some of the trouble that comes from it. Think about when people hide in alcohol. The, the trouble that that can create in their lives from the cost of the alcohol to the way that that, you know, can wreck marriages and wreck, you know, parenting and child relationships. Sometimes people lose their job because they hide in alcohol and they don't show up for work because they're drunk the next morning. They don't show up in all of these different things. I mean, we just want to understand how many times the hiding places that we hide in create more trouble for us than the way that we think they're going to help us. You know, hiding in retail therapy can cause financial issues and it can cause problems in marriages when you hide things from your spouse and you don't want them to know that you spent more money when you guys agreed that you wouldn't. Or it also gives you a false sense of elation, right? It's that finding the deal and buying the thing and yet it's a high that then can become a crash because, you know, the thing gets old and the next week you want want more. So as we run for cover a lot of times in our days of trouble, what likely happens is that one day of trouble ends up getting much bigger because our hiding places nurture more trouble many, many times. And then we wonder, why is my life so hard, God? I don't know what's wrong, right? You know, we say these things. And he's like, well, you're hiding in all these things but me. And I want to hide you. It doesn't have to be that way for us. Not if we live in the Father's house and we take him up on his benefit. Because Psalm 27 tells us that in the day of trouble, say it with me, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. Let's say it together. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. His hiding place is a benefit. It doesn't create trouble. It doesn't manifest more trouble, but it actually becomes a beneficial blessing in our lives. And we're going to explore that tonight. First, the truth that we're going to start with. And remember, you have that sheet that you can use. And again, it has some prompts on you if you want to follow along with me. The first thing is, he is the one who does the hiding. And we need to catch that little detail because it's really important. According to Psalm 27, it's not that we start having a day of trouble and we run and find the Lord and we hide ourselves in him. Now, we can certainly do that. And there are places in the Bible that talk about that. That's not a wrong thing to do. The Bible encourages us to seek out the Lord in our day of trouble. But David is describing it differently here. And it's a benefit of being in the house. The father sees us in trouble and he reaches and he draws us into himself. He's the one who hides us. See, many times in our days of trouble, I think if we got down to the nitty gritty of why it is that we run and hide, I think it's an emotional response on the inside of us that we feel like we are all alone. And The trouble is way too overwhelming, and so we just shut down and we want to escape somewhere, right? And just not have to think about it, not have to deal with it, and find something else that feels good to us. But it really comes down to this sense of feeling abandoned or feeling alone in the face of something that is way too big for us to handle. And, you know, your day of trouble can just be that you got a flat tire, or it can be that, you know, you get a really horrible you know, diagnosis physically. I mean, it could be the huge thing that's a day of trouble or just a little thing or a lot of little things combined together. It doesn't really matter. It's how you're perceiving that trouble and then what you do with it. But see, when we see that God hides us in our day of trouble, it speaks very loudly into the loneliness or that sense of, you know, I got to handle this all by myself and I can't. It speaks into that because what it tells us is that God sees us, right? That we're not alone. 
that he cares about us, that he understands, that he wants to help, that he wants to comfort us in the midst of our trouble. He's the initiator here. He's the one that reaches out and draws us into himself, which tells us we are not alone. He is our protector, like we sang about tonight. But what we also have to note, we have to look at this in the context of how it's written. This is for a certain group of people. It's the people who dwell in the house, right? It always, everything we're going to be talking about this weekend comes back to that over and over again. These benefits, these privileges are for the people who dwell in the house. We might experience trouble in the world, but when we live in Christ, that's where we dwell. That's our home. So we're going to be in that house daily. We're going to be in Christ daily because we've defined the house as being in Christ. So we're going to wake up there. We're going to come back there in the evenings. We might be working from home, right, in Christ. And so when God sees us in the house, we're in his presence in trouble, all he has to do is just reach over and draw us into himself and hide us. It's a blessing for the people that are in the house. Now, if we haven't decided to dwell in the house, it doesn't mean that God wouldn't hide us. It doesn't mean that that wouldn't happen. It doesn't mean that we can't run to him and find our refuge in him and our cover in him. But it's probably not very likely that it's going to happen. And here's the reason why I believe this is so. And just even as I've sought the Lord about this over the last few years, I've been studying this passage. This is what the Holy Spirit has impressed on me. If I can just kind of paint this word picture for you. If you're not somebody that dwells in the house, but you just visit there every now and then, or even maybe even on a weekly, maybe two or three times a week basis, but that's not where you really live. You have your life, and then you kind of do Jesus sometimes, right? So maybe you're having a bad day. You're having a day of trouble, and as a Christian woman, you're like, oh, man, I need to pray about that. I need to get to God. i got to see what God's going to say to me about that. So you have every intention about making your way toward the Lord so you can find some refuge in him. That is your intention. You want to do that. You know that's the right thing to do. But here's what happens. On the way there, as you're journeying to get to the house of God, to meet with him and be with him, the mall calls your name. Or Ben and Jerry screams at you from the refrigerator. Or the bed beckons you. Or the pharmacy whispers to you. Or your phone notifies you. And you just get distracted. And because that might, one of those things, or even many of the others, are your hiding place, you get distracted, you turn in on an impulse because you're having a day of trouble, all these emotions and thoughts are warring in your heart and your mind, and then you don't even realize that, oh, I never made it, right? I never made it there. And that's what happens so often. If I don't dwell in the house more often than not, my favorite hiding place is going to somehow, in some way, get my attention on the way to his house. And out of desperation, that's where I'm going to turn in. But when we dwell in him, when we live in his house, that's where we're at on a daily basis, moment by moment. And we begin to experience that benefit. Say the benefit with me. For in the day of trouble... He will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. I want us to say that one more time, and I want you to think about the trouble that you described when you were sitting around the table tonight. In that day of trouble, this is what God will do for you. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. I think as we continue to ponder that, there's two questions that really just rise up to the surface. And this is what they are. What is his hiding place like and why is it better? What is his hiding place like and why is it better? See, the reasons people run and hide in things like retail therapy, and I shouldn't say people, the reasons we, right, run and hide in things like retail therapy or alcohol or busyness or food or whatever, you know, those reasons are pretty obvious. See, it's in these things that we find tangible pleasures or activity that distract us from the pain of the trouble, at least for the moment anyway. These pleasures or distractions help us to forget for the moment, right? Or they divert our attention onto something else, or they numb our pain. Or maybe they even give us a sense of self-confidence in some way. Or they bring a really high pleasure moment in the midst of a really low moment. So I think 
you know, we can relate to that. And I don't think we need to spend a lot of time elaborating on that. We all know the reasons why we like the hiding places that we tend to run to, right? I like sugar. <laughs> That's why I would run to ice cream, okay? You might have another hiding place that you, you know, would run into at different times. So those are pretty obvious. But what might not be as obvious to us or as familiar to us is the benefits of why God's hiding place is so good. Especially if we're even newer to dwelling in Him. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight and learn what his hiding place is like and why it's so much better. And we're going to do that in a variety of ways. But first thing we're going to do is ponder some scriptures that David wrote about in relation to God hiding him. See, this part in Psalm 27, this is not the only time that David mentions God hiding him. In fact, you know that, right? Because you copied a lot of those verses tonight before we even got started. So, so let's look at some of these things. How about the first one from Psalm 17, 8? It says, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. David wrote that. When God hides us, here's what happens. One of the things that happens. He nurtures a sense of value and worth in us. A sense of value and worth in us. I like how this same verse reads in the Passion Paraphrase. It goes like this, protect me from harm, keep an eye on me like you would a child reflected in the twinkling of your eye. See, when God hides us, it's like a parent pulling their little child in close. And he nurtures us. He's the perfect parent hiding his child in the day of trouble. He looks at us and we can see in his eyes as he draws us in close. We're important to him. He's taking time for us. We matter to him like the apple of his eye. So often the hiding places that we tend to run to when all is said and done, they leave us feeling less than, right? Not built up emotionally, mentally, but a lot of times really pressed down. When God hides us though, he builds us up. His eye is on us. And that nurtures a sense of self-worth. We're tucked up under the shadow of his wings and embraced there. So we can look into the eyes of our God and we can see he cares about me. Cares enough to draw me in and minister to me. And that is rich stuff. It's a knowing that you got to know the way they said it in the old school was know it in your knower. Right? You got to know that deep down in the deep places that God cares about you. And a lot of times that nurtures value to know that the fa your father in heaven, even if you didn't have a father on earth that really nurtured you in any way, but when you get a revelation from the Holy Spirit that the father cares for you, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are, who he created you to be, that nurtures a sense of self-worth. And that happens when he hides us. That happens when he hides us. Next thing, he speaks truth. How many of us know that when we're having a day of trouble, all kinds of lies start speaking in our heads, creating all kinds of trouble on the inside of our minds and strife within us? We need truth. I mean, we need truth all the time, but especially in a day of trouble. But the reality is most of our hiding places don't speak truth. Some of them don't really speak lies, but they're not speaking truth, okay? They're just kind of generic. And then you don't even realize it, but you can begin to get nurtured in some lies within the hiding place the more you stay there. But David wrote about what happens when God hides us. In Psalm 31, you copy this. It says, you hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. See, so much of our trouble comes in a day of trouble from things that were said, things that were not said, things that you want to say, right? We get these whole conversations just looping in our brains and they cause that trouble to really just magnify and be intensified. And sometimes it really is something that somebody spoke to you or you need them to speak to you and they won't or the way that they spoke to you, right? The strife of tongues. But when God hides us, what David is telling us is that he's going to tell us the truth. Not the strife of tongues, not these lies, not these, you know, deceptions or miscalculations in our mind, but the truth. Sometimes that truth 
is going to be a comforting truth, but not always. Sometimes truth corrects. Sometimes truth is going to be a promise. Sometimes truth is going to teach. But when he hides us, we can know in the hiding, he's going to speak truth to us. And here's the other thing. He is our parent. He's our father. He knows us better than anybody. So he knows exactly the truth that we need to hear in that moment. We might run to, you know, maybe even a relationship that's healthy. And that might be our hiding place. But we're elevating that relationship and that person up to a place that really is God's place. And we're expecting them. A lot of times we get really disappointed because people don't give us what we think they should be given. They don't know what's going on in your heart. They can barely figure out themselves. They can't figure you out too. And so we're expecting something from people. When we would just let God hide us, he would speak truth. And all of these strife of tongues would cease because the truth dispels the lies. And that takes us right to the next dynamic that I want us to see when God hides us. It really goes hand in hand with that one we just spoke of about how he's going to speak truth. It's that he protects us, as we sang about, from deception. And oh, ladies, we are so prone to being deceived. We're so gullible. We're so vulnerable, even as adults. And I'm speaking that of myself as well. We need protection. Listen to this that David wrote, knowing what happens in God's hiding place. He said this in Psalm 64. Now, we all copy this. It probably is worded in a variety of ways in the versions. But the way that it's worded in the NASB, it says, Hide me from the secret counsel of evildoers, from the tumult of those who do iniquity. It's kind of a crazy phrase, right? The tumult of those who do iniquity. Tumult's not even a word we use very much. But years ago, I was memorizing another psalm, and I came across this phrase. The tumult of iniquity. And it really caught my eye. And I meditated on it for a long time. And I came to realize how sin gains momentum in our lives. It has a momentous effect. A tumult is something that gains momentum over time. So a tumult of iniquity is a momentum of sin that has been building over time. And when something gains momentum, what happens? It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it becomes this big tumult. It doesn't start that way. It just starts very small with a small deception and a small step towards sin. And that's why we easily dismiss it a lot of times. We just think, oh, well, I'm just buying some clothes. I'm just having a bad day, you know? Or I'm just, you know, I just need ice cream tonight. I just can't stand it, right? It's just a small step. But one deception after another, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds, and it builds. And before long, we had this tumult of iniquity in our hearts. And we're like, how did I end up here? How did I get this way? I don't even know how that happened. And I'm speaking from experience, ladies. And I know that many of you can probably identify. It's one little deception after another, and it builds and gains momentum. And then we have a tumult of iniquity. And see, I believe some of the places that that tumult really starts to gain momentum is in these places where we tend to hide, especially the ones that don't even look like they're negative. I mean, it's obvious, drugs and alcohol, you don't want to run and hide in those things, right? But sleep, sleep is good. Ice cream is good. Food, God made food for our pleasure, right? I mean, um, you know, we need to buy, God gives us, you know, wealth so that we can buy things and take care of our families. And, you know, he gives us jobs to work and he gives us these community of relationships and all of these things. It's what we do with them and how we esteem them and lift them up. And we find ourselves deceived in these things. Now you might say when, when it says here, um, you know, in the scripture, it says, hide me from the secret counsel of evildoers, from the tumult of those who do iniquity. And I, I would say that the enemy in our hiding places, a lot of times he plants um, the um, counsel of evildoers. We don't even realize many times it's there. And you might say, you're starting to sound like a, you know, a conspiracy theory there. And I would say, absolutely, I am. Because the enemy is under a conspiracy over your life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And he's not going to show up and say, here I am. I'm going to take you out. No, he's going to hide his workers, his lies, his deceptions in the midst of things that many times we think are just fine. 
or that we justify or that we think are okay and we don't even realize that it's happening. He loves it when we run to these hiding places because he knows that more often than not, we're not going to be engaging there with truth, but with lies. And there, many times, even if they're not lies there, the longer we go, he can see how hooked we are on these things, how affectionate we are toward these things. And he builds within them a structure and a substance of, of deception within them where we begin to not even you know, realize what we are expecting to get from these things. It's a secret counsel. It's a secret counsel, but God knows And that can sound scary. It's like, well, how would I even navigate through that? But see, God knows. And when God hides us, he protects us from all of that. So it's not like we have to try so hard to stay away from those things. We just need to dwell in the house and let him hide us. Because he's going to do the protecting. He's going to speak truth and he's going to protect us from the strife of evil tongues, from the conspiracies of those things. God's going to be speaking truth and that truth protects from deception. We need the hand of the Lord to reach out and hide us and speak truth, which takes us to the next dynamic of the Lord's hiding us that he wants us to see. Now, this one was the one from Isaiah. It's not from David. It's actually a prophesy, a prophecy uh, Isaiah spoke of Jesus. And this is um, what the dynamic is. In the hiding place, he gives guidance. See, often when we're having a day of trouble, what's our first thing? I don't know what to do. I need to know what to do, right? I need help. I need somebody to give me some direction. And often, because we don't get good counsel in our other hiding places, we end up making poor choices. And then that just creates that tumult as well, all right? But listen to what Isaiah wrote about Jesus, but we can find some truth in there about what, what happens when God hides us. Isaiah wrote, he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me. In other words, he's hidden me. And he has also made me a select arrow. He has hidden me in his quiver. So it sounds like what is, what is described here is that when God hides us, one of the places he hides us is in the shadow of his hand. Sometimes in the Bible, it talks about how he hides us under the shelter of his wing. But sometimes he's going to hide us in the shelter of his hand. And while we're there, that he's going to form us and he's going to shape us, which is going to guide us for the days to come. Now, we're not going to stop and do this tonight, but if we were to do a study on the hand of the Lord as described in scripture, I mean, that could be a whole weekend in and of itself. We would find out just noting a few things. The hand of the Lord is strong. It's righteous. It's powerful. It's holy. It's victorious. So many more things. And if he's hiding us, in the shadow of his hand, and he covers us there, imagine what you get a really good view of, his hand, and what his hand can do, and all the ways down through the centuries that his hand has worked. And what do we learn from? We learn from history, right? We learn from how God interacts with man. And so as we're in that hiding place, we can learn, what do I do? His hand will direct us. It will guide us in those moments to know what to do. It says right here in this verse that he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. So while we're being hidden in his hand, he's going to be molding us and fashioning us to make our hands like a sharp sword, like a sharp sword, like a select arrow, it says. A select arrow is an arrow that has been fashioned to hit on the mark, right? To not miss, to have success, to have victory. So when we're in the hiding place, God is not only letting us see his hand and the ways he has worked through his hand that's going to give us guidance from learning that, but he's also going to be molding us and shaping us. So with whatever our trouble is, he's going to be showing us what to do to hit the thing right in the middle, blow it wide open, and make it turn into a victory for the Lord and for his good blessings in our lives. But if we're out hiding somewhere else, we're missing all that we could be having right there in his hand. He wants us to have precise success over the trouble. What did Jesus say? He said, you're going to have trouble in this world, but take heart. I've overcome it. So he wants to show us in his hand how he has overcome it. And listen to this, what David did right here in Psalm 32, 7. He says, you are my hiding place. We sang this tonight. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. 
In his hiding place, here's the dynamic. You can write it in your notes. He speaks victory. He speaks victory. He builds us up to be victorious, to overcome that trouble. In fact, the New Testament says we overwhelmingly overcome, right? So it's even more than overcoming and having victory. It's overwhelmingly victory, having victory. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me like all around us while we're hiding. It's like he puts it on surround sound, right? And he's just going to sing songs of deliverance over us. That's what God does in the hiding place. God doesn't know anything but victory. Jesus always wins. Always, always wins. And as he hides us, he's going to encourage us in that victory. He's going to teach us how to be winners. He's going to teach us how to think like winners. To think according to his faithfulness. He's going to constantly surround sound, be speaking that over us. His hiding place will be a place where we get built up and encouraged to overcome and to face that day of trouble with the precise success that he's going to fashion within us in his hand. So, so good. Most of our other hiding places are either going to be benign and not even speak to the trouble. And we're going to spend all this time in the hiding place and they come out and our trouble is going to still be there, not having been dealt with. We're going to feel even more overwhelmed because we haven't dealt with it. When all the while we could have been in the Father's hand. We could have been listening to the songs of victory. And that's why we got to dwell in the house so that he can reach out and grab us. Not in a, you know, I'm going to make you hide in me. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But just in a desire of pulling us close. So, so good. So much of that comes from perspective. And that's something we also get when he hides us. We're going to look at perspective a lot tomorrow morning. So I'm not going to go into this a lot. But for now, let's look quickly at what David wrote in Psalm 118. He gives us perspective. When he hides us. This is what David said. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals. In other words. What can human people around me do to me. The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I look in triumph on my enemies. It is better he writes. To take refuge in the Lord. Than to trust in humans. In other words. It is better to hide in the Lord. Than in humans. It is better to take refuge in the Lord. Than to trust in princes. David had been betrayed a lot by humans, right? They had not treated him well. He had experienced that. They left him fearful, questioning, wondering, confused, caused all kinds of trouble in his life. But when he dwelt in the house of the Lord and he experienced the Lord hiding him, he got perspective. And here's the perspective that God gave him. According to that verse, when God was hiding him, God was very clear. This is who I am and this is who man is not. And a lot of times in the day of trouble, we need that perspective. Because in our minds, we are so uptight and worried and all that about a person or a group of people. And we forget who God is. We, we elevate people to a place that God would be and we just leave God over here saying a little SOS prayer and hope he's going to come through. And God's like, I want to hide you and I will give you perspective to remember who I am and who these people are are not now people are not god's enemy god loves people but we in our humanity can put people in the wrong place we do it all the time and so god has to give us perspective and he does that when we are hidden in him this last one i want to share with you is probably one of my favorites he shares his secrets when he hides us god shares his secrets with us I personally saw this in scripture last year and it spoke so deeply to me. And I can say, I have experienced this so many times now. When the Lord's hiding me, how he just whispers things to me that I would not know unless he let me in on them. Psalm 25, 14, David wrote, The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him and he will make them know his covenant. That word know holds the idea of being intimately acquainted with. God wants us to know the things on his heart. He longs to whisper the details and the depth of his covenant love that he has made with us. And I think he longs to share those secrets with us. But here's the thing. His secrets are holy. His secrets are sacred. And he's not going to just throw his secrets around to people who, you know, give him a little bit of time every now and then when it's convenient. No, this 
His secrets are, re are reserved for people who fear him. In other words, for those who honor and respect him, for those who choose and draw near to him and don't fight against him and resist him. See, even though he hides us, he's not going to force us into hiding. It's not like he grabs us in the house and says, you're coming with me, right? We're going to hide you and me. That's not it at all. There's always a choice. The Bible's very clear. We always have a choice. And so each of us have to decide, am I going to dwell with him? And next, as I dwell with him, am I going to lean into his hiding or am I going to resist it? You know, just this reality alone of knowing the secrets of the Lord, for me, it, it, it causes me to want to dwell with him because life is hard and there are a lot of troubles. And when God whispers his secrets and he shows you his perspective to know those secrets of the Lord, it's just worth it to let him hide you. I want to get really, really practical for a moment and just share about what I think it looks like in everyday life to let the Lord hide us and to stop running to all these other lesser hiding places. And to do that, I'm going to focus on one word and the word is lean, L-E-A-N, lean. To lean into the Lord as he reaches out to hide us. Because remember, he's the one, right, that does the hiding. When I was a little girl and I would go to church and I would go to church camp and all of that, one of the songs that we would sing, it was one of the kid Bible songs, but it was kind of this chant and some of you may have done it as well, but the leader would holler out this, this question and it was like, tell me whose side are you leaning on? Does anybody know this? Anybody? Or am I all alone in the room? <laughs> okay, Julie. Julie and I grew up in church together and Laura. Okay, so the leader would say, tell me whose side are you leaning on? And then as little kids, we would go, leaning on the Lord's side. Okay, and then they would say it again. Tell me whose side are you leaning on? Leaning on the Lord's side. And then we would get into this little chant and you'd play this game and you'd lean and try to knock over your neighbor. But it was like, I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, leaning on the Lord's side. I, I know I look ridiculous, okay? But this is what we would do. And it is a very cheesy song song but oh my goodness ladies it's so full of truth because we need to ask ourselves that question every day whose side am I leaning on today am I leaning into the Lord when he draws me in or am I turning away distracted resisting have you ever had somebody try to hug you and you don't really want to hug them <laughs> what do you do and that might have happened a lot during COVID like oh are you hugging and you hug and they're like, no, I really wasn't, but you just talked to me. I'm like, okay, right? But I, I know sometimes even if my husband, like, he's very into fitness, and so he likes to run, and he'll go out running, and I mean, he has a sweater. So he'll come in, and I mean, he's just dripping. I don't really like sweat. And so he'll leave me into kiss me, and I'm like, you know, like that. You know, I, I don't lean into him. I kind of back away, or I turn, no, get a shower kind of thing. Or if you're, you know, when your kids grow up, and they're kind of embarrassed by you, you know, when you go to hug your 14-year-old son, and they just kind of, <laughs> I think that's what we do to the Lord a lot of times when he tries to draw us in because we're already got our eyes over here to the hiding place that we want to go to and he's saying lean into me and we have to train ourselves just practically to first lean to him to decide even if we have already started making our way to the refrigerator right and I, I speak that that is my hiding place okay so even if I've started doing that to go oh no I want to lean this way right so what does that leaning even look like well maybe the Lord you sense that pull you sense that draw for you to just rest in him and sit with him for a moment and take a few deep breaths and let him speak to you to listen to him to turn on some Christian music and turn off the garbage of the news, right? Or to get out your Bible and read or copy or to turn on a podcast or to worship or to journal about a truth that he's been speaking to you or to just settle down as he calms you in his presence. So many things. I mean, God is creative, right? He'll draw us close in lots of ways. For me, I told you earlier, I go on lots of prayer walks and sometimes I just sense him saying, walk with me. You know, and a lot of times, I'm going to say, i got things to do. You know, no, walk with me. Stop. Or come and take communion with me and sit for a moment and let me speak to you. Get your eyes again on my sacrifice for you. And I can do this. Oh, hug me. I'll let you hug me for a minute, God. I'm really busy today. Or 
I can lean. And it's like a kid example, but sometimes we are like kids and we need to be taught. It's a kid's song and it's very cheesy and it's old and I get it. But we need to lean, 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 lean. Even if when we lean, we knock some people over in the process. We need to lean into him because here's what tends to happen. We hear some of these things and we think, okay, that's it. I'm not going to the mall ever again. I'm not going to buy Ben and Jerry's ever again. I'm going to cut up my credit cards. I'm not going to these hiding places. And some of those things might not be a bad idea, but the better thing to do is just lean, just dwell and just lean because the more you lean and you experience how good, how nurturing, how full of truth, how protecting, how God speaks his secrets to you and gives you, the more you experience the goodness of God's hiding place, the lore of these other things is going to lose its flair. And you're gonna wanna lean in more and more and more. The benefit of God hiding us is probably one of my favorite things of knowing and experiencing in the house of God as I've chosen to dwell in him. I could share so many stories with you of things that God has specifically done in my life, tangible things that he has given me to hold on, to be encouraged, to you know, trust him, that he's spoken, that he's whispered, that he's given me knowledge of a situation ahead of time, you know, to where I, my heart was prepared so I wasn't you know, land blasted, you know, to be able to not get caught up in another sin pattern while there was this trouble going on, but to walk in righteousness and all these different things. These are the things that God does when he hides us. And it is a benefit. Because most of the people around you are running for cover all day long and all these other things, and they're not going to do anything good for them. They might help for the moment, but nothing lasting. And the next day, they're running for cover again. And when we begin to find how good it is to hide in the Lord when he hides us, not only is that beneficial for us, but we can begin to share that with others. You know, I, like I said, I have lots of things that I could share, but I know that many of you have lots of things that you could share as well. And probably even as we're talking, you're thinking about your own hiding places and you you're got some rumblings in your heart and mind about, okay, for this day of trouble, you know, where is it that I typically run or, or what would it be like if I really let God hide me and all of these different things. We're, we're going to take a break in just a moment, but I'm going to hand you one of these little survey sheets and you're going to just fill it out. It'll take you just a few minutes. It doesn't have to get real detailed, just prompts for yourself. So you can think about some of these things ahead of time. There's four little questions on there. So we'll take a few moments to do that. We're going to break then grab some dessert, and then we're going to come back over and just have kind of a group discussion about some of these things. So I'm going to just pass, you know, some handfuls of these out and you guys can begin to um, um, and just take a moment to quietly fill that out. It's not something you're going to hand in or have to share with anybody unless you choose to. So be honest, right? Be honest with yourself. And then I'll kind of release us in a moment to go and have some dessert. And we'll take a little bit of a break with that. So just hold on to the paper and then we'll come back together and just have a little bit of discussion time together. Okay? Thanks, ladies.